Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of June 22nd through June the 28th. Um, this week, we have uh, a few planets that are switching direction, including Neptune stationing retrograde at 20 degrees of Pisces on the 23rd, which is Tuesday. Um, Thursday, the 25th, Venus will be stationing direct at 5 degrees of Gemini. Uh, Saturday, the 27th, we will be seeing Mars moving into the first decade of Aries and hanging out in Aries for about six months. So we'll, we'll do a deep dive on, on Mars this week. And then on Sunday, the 28th, we're going to be experiencing our first quarter moon um, with a Libra moon at seven degrees, squaring the sun at seven degrees of Cancer. And then Mars will be sextiling a retrograde Saturn at zero degrees of Aries and Aquarius, respectively. Okay, I'm going to share my screen here. Actually, before I do that, I'm kind of excited. Um, hopefully everything goes okay. <laughs> this recording, recording this on Friday. Um, what is the date today? June the 19th, just as Mercury has gone retrograde, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I'm excited because my books finally came. Like, it's interesting to see that uh, my books came that I've been eagerly anticipating um, they came right as Mercury was stationing, but I got a couple cool books in the mail. One is called Hamlet's Mill that I've been um, hearing a lot about from Bernadette Brady's book about the fixed stars and talking a lot about um, um, Cosmo archaeology, which is basically kind of like learning about the, uh, the history of mythology through observation of the sky which what you would think would be pretty useful for astrologers. So that's pretty neat. And like, I'm, I'm, one of my missions in the next few months and years ahead here is to get more of a, an understanding and a connection to the sky itself. A lot of times as astrologers, we can get kind of fixated on the two-dimensional chart that's in front of us. And I think that um, astrologers in, in history we're very much experts on the motion of the sky itself and the observation of the movement of the constellations and the, the fixed stars and the planets. And that's something that I feel um, I want to improve on because I think that we can really glean a lot of meaning from seeing the actual movement of the sky. And I think it's so important. So this book is really great about talking about how a lot of the cultural mythology was based on that visible observation of the the movement of the planets and the stars and the constellations and all that. So very excited to dive into that. Um, so I'll, I'll keep you posted as to <laughs> my discoveries with that. And then I also got this cool book that is kind of like a supplement to Bernadette Brady's first book, um, her first book, uh, Fixed Stars. This is star and planet combination. So this is kind of neat too, which she gives a lot of um, meaning uh, with the stars and, and how they relate to the, the planetary placements um, she goes further into the concept of parans versus the fixed star being conjunct a planet on an uh, ecliptical degree. Um, so that's another thing that I, I'm working through in my studies. Um, I'm hoping to have a guest speaker on that concept uh, towards the, you know, as we get into the summer here. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But um, what I'm doing when I'm working with fixed stars recently, though, is working with them on the ecliptical degree. I don't feel like I have a, a, enough of a grasp of the concept of parans to incorporate that into the equation yet, but maybe that will be something for the future. Um, from people that I've talked to, people use those fixed stars um, both ways. Uh, 
And one of the things I, I did want to make a correction from last week too, I, as I was talking about Mercury on the um, planet um, or on the fixed star of Sirius, I, I think I mistakenly mentioned that Sirius was the, was the pole star. And Sirius is not the pole star. The pole star is actually named Polaris. So I wanted to make that correction um, because sometimes when I'm getting into the flow of things, um, things will bubble up and you always want to kind of, you know, in, in true Mercury retrograde fashion, you want to make the correction while you still can, right? Okay, so let's move forward. So I'm going to share my screen here. And one of the things I want to do a little bit differently this week is instead of just telling you about the essential dignities, what I want to do is give you more of a planetary condition report. So it will combine the essential dignities of the planet. But what I wanted to do also was make it very clear which planets are aspecting or co-present with a planet, because that makes a big difference in, in the Hellenistic system as to what planets are kind of giving or bearing um, witness and testimony to a planet. So I think that that would be a good thing to do to start off our, our week. And I also want to talk about which planet is hosting that particular planet, because that, that can also color the expression that we will be um, experiencing with a planet in a certain temple or domicile or area of the zodiac. So I'm going to just start with one chart here at the beginning of the week. Um, well, actually, let me see. Well, let's talk about the sun first. The sun is going to be moving from 7 to 11, I'm sorry, from 1 to 7 degrees. Okay, so it's starting off at 1 degree, and at the beginning of the week, uh, it is going to be in the sign of, the, the, of cancer, the first decan of cancer, where it is peregrine, um, where, which basically means it doesn't have essential dignity. Uh, it is in the terms of Mars from 0 to 7 degrees, and then the terms of Venus from 7 to 13 degrees. So remember, terms is a word that mean, means bound lord or bound ruler. And that was the planet that was setting the curriculum. If you think of a, a domicile as like a, a temple or a palace or something like that, this could be a particular room within the palace or somebody that is saying, this, these are the rules that you have to follow when you are in this particular area of the, of the palace. Like we have different sets of etiquette in the kitchen versus in the library or something of that nature. Um, and generally, when we have a benefic bound lord like Venus or Jupiter, it, it tends to be a, uh, a more pleasant experience than when we have a malefic bound lord like Saturn or Mars. Um, we cannot have the lights as bound lords, so only the, the uh, five planets that are non-luminaries are bound lords, so that is uh, Mars, Saturn, Venus, and Jupiter, along with Mercury. Um, so, okay, that's what we've got going on at the beginning of the week. And like I said, the sun is going to move about seven degrees. It moves about a degree each day. And it's going to move into the, it's not going to move any further than the first decan. But what it is, it is experiencing is a couple things. Uh, we are, as I'm recording this, we're building towards the eclipse on the 21st. We haven't, that aspect hasn't perfected. But when you're going to be listening to this over the weekend and throughout the week, um, that eclipse will have been perfected and we'll be, have this new moon experience. We're still in the middle of that Bardot period, which is kind of a liminal space in between eclipses where we're still trying to figure out what um, the new landscape is going to look like for the next chapter of our lives. And uh, one thing that we're experiencing very heavily here is uh, Mercury is co-present with the sun. So th that is a, um, a condition where 
It is in the same sign. So instead of just calling it a conjunction, we're calling it co-presence. Um, so Mercury is sitting at the table with the sun and, and providing information. Uh, it is retrograde right now, a retrograde Mercury. And it is going under the beams of the sun right now too. So we have Mercury is kind of hidden. Mercury is in the underworld right now, um, co-present with the sun, about to go into that furnace of renewal and go into the light. I thought this was a really interesting concept as I was listening to various astrologers talk about this. And in particular, my, my astrology teacher, Chutababa, was talking about um, the sun giving um, awareness and knowledge to a planet. So it's kind of like we're, whatever we're experiencing with uh, the mercurial areas of our life, like the Gemini and Virgo area, um, we're getting kind of this, this light of the mind type of awareness when we get that Kazemi moment. Um, now, the Kazemi moment isn't going to happen for, I think, another week or so, but we're going to be kind of reviewing a lot of things and, and kind of trying to um, gather the pieces of the old life, not to, to um, be able to reconstruct that old life and go on at, as business as usual. And I talked about this last week with uh, the story of Isis in relationship to um, Sirius. The ancients had a kind of correlation with this, the Sirius, the dog star, the guardian of the underworld, and the story of Isis, where she was um, trying to recover pieces of her husband that had been scattered throughout the land um, from a, a vengeful act from her brother Set. And, but the, the key to that was that we were not experiencing, it. She, she wasn't trying to reconstruct Osiris um, so that he could continue on living. She was trying to reconstruct him so that he would be able to, um, they would be able to mate and that from that mating would be born something new, which was the, the son or the, the, the new god, uh, Horus, which was about wisdom and, and vision, the eye of Horus. So what we're doing is we're gathering the pieces of wisdom from our old experience, um, not to go back to quote unquote normal, but to try to figure out how we're going to move forward into the new paradigm. Okay, so that's what we've got going on with the sun. Uh, a couple other planets that are going to be aspecting the sun. Mars is providing a trine right now. Uh, so Mars is, is bearing witness from the sign of Pisces in the overcoming position, which means it's earlier in the zodiac. Uh, so there is a cooperation between Mars and the sun early in the week. But as we move forward in the week and Mars moves into Aries, it will start to square the sun by whole sign, creating more of a feeling of tension. Um, so if you're going to do some martial solar activities, uh, you might want to get those done in the beginning of the week before your, your energy uh, becomes a little bit more frustrated. Uh, the sun is also making a whole sign opposition to Jupiter and Pluto. Okay. So there is some kind of challenge, and oppositions are of the nature of Saturn. So there's some kind of uh, difficulty, difficult conversation between Jupiter, which is in a fallen position, and the sun, where it's trying to, to figure out how to provide resources, whereas Jupiter right now is trying to figure out what needs to be let go of and what needs to be composted so it can and make a new start. Um, so those are the aspects we're going to be experiencing. The moon is the host of the sun this week, and the moon is going to be waxing and gaining in light. So we may be uh, trying to increase uh, our ability to bring things into manifestation this week. Okay, so that's the condition of the sun. I'm going to move forward to the planet 
Saturn. And if we look at our two uh, charts again, we can see that Saturn is still retrograde and, and not going to be moving very much at all. Only a few minutes of one degree in the first uh, degree of Aquarius. And Saturn does have rulership. It is in its own do domicile. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs by the daytime. And it is in the bounds of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Now, one of the things that uh, Saturn is going to be experiencing is a whole sign trine to a retrograde Venus that is going to be stationing direct. And it, Saturn is in the superior position. Okay. And also a sextile to Mars once it moves into the sign of Aries. So those are the two conversations that Saturn is going to be having this week. And that could be something where we're getting serious about our relationships with, um, you know, the, the contact with Venus, where we're uh, coming to terms with some of the limitations that we have with the choices and reconciling the opposites that we're um, attempting to bridge with Venus in the sign of Gemini. Um, and with Venus in the sign of Gemini, we have a, an awareness of, of our um, duality right now. And when it's turning direct in that first decan of Gemini, we may be experiencing um, a new proliferation of, of, of options based on uh, the review that we've been doing of what we like, what we are attracted to, and having a realization of what we are and what we're not. Um, so that is something that we're going to be seeing with uh, the contact with Saturn, too, is um, feeling a need, perhaps, to contract some of the options and let go of some of them as we move forward. Uh, let's talk about Jupiter. So Jupiter is going to be in the sign of Capricorn, moving from 25 degrees of Capricorn to retrograding back into 24 degrees. It is coming into a very close conjunction over the next few weeks with the planet Pluto. It is already applying um, in a, um, I believe that the word is kalesis, which is, is an adherence. So Pluto and Jupiter are having a very intense conversation right now. They've been in the same sign for a little while, but as they get closer to that uh, conjunction and within three degrees, they are very heavily engaged with one another. Um, so that exact conjunction is going to happen on the 30th of June. Um, and then it's going to happen again, I believe, in uh, November. I believe November the 13th um, when the planets are going direct again. So Jupiter is in the terms of Saturn this week from 22 to 26 degrees. And of course, it's in its fall where it's in the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune. It's being hosted by a retrograde Saturn that is very strong. But Saturn is in aversion to its host right now. That means that it can't see or witness Jupiter. And that's a problem in Hellenistic astrology. That means that Jupiter is staying at, at uh, Saturn's estate, but, but Saturn doesn't really know that Jupiter is there and can't provide the types of resources that it needs to do its job. So it's, it's very difficult for Jupiter, Jupiter-ruled things right now. Um, where it's, it's retrograde, which is basically reviewing and also taking back some things that were given. Uh, it's coming in contact with Pluto, so it's bringing up things from the underworld, asking us to compost some of the old life and let go of things, which is very intense right now. It brings up a lot of cathartic, deeply buried emotions that are very difficult to deal with. 
um, but necessary. And uh, all the while, Saturn is, is asking Jupiter to come to terms with um, being in exile, with doing the hard, disciplined work to being on the fringes of society, to bringing more restorative justice to the, uh, the people that have been um, systemically oppressed uh, on the fringes. We called Saturn in that first decade of Aquarius the mark of exile. So anywhere that Saturn is placed in the zodiac, we have a lot of hard work to do. We, get, we come face to face with our ignorance. Uh, last week I talked about Ananke and Agnoya. Ananke being the type of fate that is compelling us to do things. And Agnoya is associated with our ignorance. So uh, we're going to be coming face to face with the type of fate that we've created through, through our ignorance, through the darkness, through, through our not knowing. And having to, to really kind of do the, the difficult, challenging, um, but necessary work, necessary, which is another word that's associated with Saturn, necessity, of bringing it back into balance. Remember, Saturn is at its best uh, in its exaltation in the sign of Libra, bringing things back into harmony. So uh, I believe that that is some of the work that Saturn asks us to do. Okay, so moving forward to Mars. Mars is a, a big player in our week ahead here and in our summer in particular. So Mars is moving through the last degrees of Pisces at the beginning of the week, um, where it is in, uh, it has rulership by triplicity. It is the, the triplicity ruler of the nighttime in the water signs. It will be on its own terms uh, from, I believe, 19 to 28 degrees. Yeah, it's got a, a lot of degrees at the end of the sign there. And then it'll be moving into the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees. Uh, it will be in its own decan or its own face in the final degrees of Pisces as well. So it has a lot of dignity at the end of Pisces, but it, it is gaining, I would say, even more power as it moves into Aries on the 27th, uh, 27th, which is Saturday. Okay, so when Mars is in Pisces, it will be making a trine to the sun. So it is aspecting and bearing witness by trine. Trines were of the nature of Jupiter. So generally that was a positive conversation that was bringing um, good things to a planet. Now Mars, Mars bringing, I don't know, if Mars always brings good stuff. Like even when Mars is at its best, it's, its nature is still to sever and separate. So there perhaps could be a, um, an ability to sever old belief systems because Jupiter is providing for Mars and Pisces that is helping us to create a new identity, the sun, and helping us bring a new awareness. And that could be a, experienced as a positive process. Or we could see positive results with that, with the trine. Mars is still going to be co-present with Neptune, so we have to, it's separating now though. So we may be coming out of the fog, we may be coming out of some of the idealism, coming out of the desire to escape, and coming out of this need to have a, a holy crusade of some sort. Um, Mars is also going to be uh, squaring Venus by whole sign, uh, and that is an overcoming square. So Mars is still creating trouble for Venus at the beginning of this week, but we'll be moving into a sextile to Venus uh, as he moves into Aries. So the, the relationship between Mars and Venus is going to improve, and the relationship between Mars and the sun is going to get more challenging. 
So this is always something that we have to consider when we're looking at the aspects of the week is sometimes we will be having difficult conversations between certain planets and other times we'll be having more productive or constructive conversations. So again, we're going to be improving the relationship between Mars and Venus, but a more challenging one between Mars and the Sun. Now, the, the, big, the big news too, when Mars moves into Aries, is that it's going to begin to square by whole sign Jupiter, uh, Pluto. And then when Saturn retrogrades back into Capricorn next week, uh, it's going to be squaring Saturn as well. And that's going to be our, a very difficult aspect we're going to be experiencing over the course of the summer is that Saturn-Mars um, square. And there's going to be a couple exact hits that I'll talk about when we get to, when we get to Mars. Um, but the, basically, the energy of that could be like we're feeling like we're driving with the brakes on uh, or attempting to drive or to take action, but uh, having to work within some pretty severe or strict limitations. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and just the dignity that improves with Mars in, in Aries is that it, it's in its own domicile. Uh, it will be also in its own face. And there's double um, dec decanic rulership with Mars in the first face of Aries. Uh, Mars will be both the Chaldean and the Triplicity ruler. So very a very, very martial decan, that first decan of Aries, a very pure expression of Mars, for better or for worse. Uh, and Mars will be in the terms of Jupiter from zero to six degrees of, of Aries. So we'll keep our eyes out on that. Um, when it and I said, like I said, when it moves into Aries, it'll be in its own domicile. So drawing upon all its own resources. Okay, let's, let's move on to Venus. Venus is in the sign of Gemini this week. Uh, it is retrograde to begin the week at five degrees, but stationing direct on the 25th, which is Thursday. Uh, so it will be peregrine that, at, that, at that point or throughout the week and in the terms of Mercury through zero to six degrees. Um, now, the challenging thing that we have here is right now it is still receiving an overcoming square from Mars. So Mars is harming Venus right now, uh, creating conflict and challenge, um, potentially through realizations of the differences that we hold based on our belief systems that are making it very difficult to come to some kind of consensus. Um, like I said, uh, the con that condition, that relationship, that conversation with Mars will improve once Mars moves into Aries. Uh, there is a trine right now between Saturn and Venus. So Saturn is attempting uh, to provide something, a positive conversation through showing what our limitations are in our relationships and we can kind of do the hard work that we need to do to come to a consensus by maybe paring down some of the options that we have, paring down some of the expectations that we may have in our relationships and letting go of some of the um, unrealistic types of, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to find another word for expectations, but I guess that's the best word you know, getting, getting rid of uh, illusions that aren't serving our relationships anymore. And that's a positive thing between Saturn and, and Venus right now. Um, Venus, the issue with Venus beyond its, its very slow motion and at its station. Now, remember, stations are a very important time in a planet's cycle. It's when the, the omen, the divinitary omen, is speaking at at some of its loudest uh, 
some of its loudest significations when it's stationary, whether it's moving retrograde or moving direct. So really pay attention to that station on the 25th of June. Um, the challenge that we have right now, though, is that Mercury, its host in Cancer, is also retrograde and in that condition I described as an aversion. It's going to be very difficult for a retrograde Mercury to provide anything of value to Venus right now because, it, like I said, Venus is hanging out at, uh, in Mercury's you know, estate or at his estate. And it's, it's difficult for Mercury to provide what it, what it wants because it's not aware that it's there. So that is going to be kind of awkward um, this week. We, it's still going to be very difficult to create harmony between our belief systems through our, different, through our differences throughout the weeks ahead because of that condition. So that's just a, a warning as we move forward. And again, planetary condition really colors um, how we're going to experience that planet. Um, astrology is complicated. I think that one of the things I'm appreciating by studying people like Bernadette Brady, um, by studying things like Hamlet's Mill and uh, Hellenistic astrology in general, is that, and this is something that Bernadette Brady likes to talk about, um, a lot of the times what we do is we try to simplify astrology and anything in, in our modern context as much as we can, um, which I don't. I don't have a fundamental opposition to. I do tend to be the type of teacher that tries to make complex ideas accessible, but I think we can take it too far sometimes where we try to simplify something where we're missing out on some essential qualities that are actually very important to, to delineating meaning in, in an accurate way. So I think that we have to be able to hold some of the complexities and some of the, the details to be able to get a holistic understanding of what we're doing with astrology. And with someone with Jupiter in Virgo, in its exile, I feel like that's actually how I would be doing my best work, is trying to bring about many, many disparate details and unify them into some kind of whole that is able to be used um, in a practical way. So if any of you have like a Jupiter in, uh, in exile or in a mercurial sign, that may be part of the, the work that you're tasked with doing is trying to bring unity to a lot of different details, a lot of different um, skills and techniques. Um, so I thought that was kind of, kind of neat. Uh, the moon, just to wrap up our planetary condition report, the moon this week is waxing from its new... Uh, phase where it just went through an eclipse where it was conjoined with the north node where the, we were starting a, a very important chapter a, a new six-month cycle but also a new 18-year cycle so there's kind of these meta cycles that we experience with lunar cycles we have ones that were you know it is a, a, a month-long cycle it is like a six-month cycle and then it is a longer 18-month cycle all of these things have importance and it's going to be waxing to the first quarter, which is kind of that first material challenge to bringing about whatever was signified by our new moon. And at this, at this new moon eclipse, we're trying to figure out um, how we are going to nurture one another, how we consume um, 
resources and how we distribute them. That's going to be one of the main themes of that of this eclipse cycle is how can we figure out an equitable manner of distributing and consumption, whatever the resources are that make us feel nurtured and make us feel included in the group. Remember the 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 Schmidt um, essence of the moon was inclusion, collection, collection, collecting light, and including people. Whereas the sun was selecting. Okay, there's a difference between selecting and including. We have uh, the sun being associated with kings and with people of leadership, where they're saying we're selecting this person to lead us. This person is special. Where the moon was associated with the public, where we're including everyone in in the in the um, in the, oh, I don't know, whatever the organization is. And this is why with cancer, we have these themes of who is our kin? Who is our family? Who are we including in our, our respective groups? Um, it's opposite Saturn is about exclusion and saying who is not part of our group? Who is on the fringe? Who, who are we not allowing in within the group? And, we're, and again, like I've said, with Saturn in Aquarius right now, we're having to come to terms with who we've excluded as a society, from uh, the resources necessary to create uh, to create a, a life that is um, fertile, and we're we're having a reckoning right now in this in our country with uh, how we have um, both exploited um, the people on the fringes, whether it was through race and through uh, or through you know economic or gender or um, sexual orientation type of oppression. We're, we're having to deal with all of those issues simultaneously. Um, we're, we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement that, that that particular struggle is one that is taking extra importance right now due to those, uh, those folks, um, black people being in, in danger uh, and seeing that they are, um, they are being, um, well, abused and, and murdered and being treated extraordinarily unfairly by a uh, judicial and, and policing system. So that is one of the things that is speaking the loudest right now. It's not that that hasn't been happening for a very long period of time. It's just that it's now coming to a reckoning point. And for more information on this, uh, there's been a really a, a good friend of mine and a very good astrologer who is, whose voice has been justifiably amplified right now. His name is Samuel Reynolds, and he has been really giving some great talks on the United States Pluto return and its relationship with Jupiter and with Mars and Saturn and giving some really good historical context to even the, some of the, the Uranus degrees that we're experiencing. I believe he had a talk where he was comparing the start of the American Revolution uh, with uh, Crispus Attic Atticus, I believe is how you say it, uh, was, was uh, murdered. And that was one of the uh, initiatory events of the American Revolution. And then with the murder of George Floyd, uh, another initiatory event for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I have shared some of his talks in, in the descriptions that I've been putting forth below. And he, he's been making the circuit recently going uh, and talking to folks like Chris Brennan on the Astrology Podcast. Um, I believe he's joining Stormy Grace, who I, who I was able, fortunate enough to join and talk about the planets with. Um, so just check out his work. He wrote a really great article on his 
uh, for astrology.com as well that I will try to link. Um, and so he's been a great voice for learning about some of the, the history of this and bringing it into context astrologically. Uh, so what was I talking about? Um, <laughs> lose a bunch of thought. You know, I didn't actually, what I didn't talk about in the planetary condition report was Mercury. Mercury was trying to escape uh, in true retrograde fashion. Um, so yes, Mercury is retrograde this week. It is in the sign of Cancer moving through that second decan, uh, conjoined with the fixed star Sirius, which we've been talking about as trying to, is a quest for immortality. Uh, sometimes Sirius was associated with uh, trying to create something that is has longevity, but at the expense of the body. So we can drive ourselves towards some kind of quest, um, but at the expense of our, of our health, the expense of our mortal coil, um, and also trying to reconstruct something to, to bring forth a new birth. Uh, Mercury is going to be moving through uh, its own terms from 13 to 19 degrees, and then to, through the terms of Venus at 7 to 13 degrees as it retrogrades backwards. It's going to be conjoining the sun. It's under the sun's beams. Uh, it will be trining um, Mars in Pisces, and then it will be squaring Mars in Aries uh, with Mars overcoming. So we're, that is another thing that we're going to have to watch out for as our communication is going to get a little spicy when Mercury moves into a square with Aries because some of the um, indirectness of Mars and Pisces is going to fall by the wayside and we're going to be uh, having much more direct confrontational type of communicative energies if we haven't been already. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And, and also Mercury is going to be opposing Jupiter and Saturn, I'm sorry, Jupiter and Pluto in the sign of Capricorn. So difficult conversations, lots of difficult communications. It's not an easy communicative next few weeks. And Mercury is going to be hosted by the moon. So there'll be a lot of different moods that we're going to be working through as we, we try to cipher out our mercurial communications. Um, when Mercury is moving through the sign of cancer, it's sort of like we're trying to speak underwater. We're, we're trying to move through layers and layers and layers of emotion, of intuition, of ambiguity and uncertainty. And it's, not, it's like our minds are not completely clear. Uh, we have all these impressions, all these sense memories that are coming up and are, are kind of getting in the way of trying to, to have a, a clear focus. Um, and I can speak from experience with Mercury. I have Mercury in the third decan of cancer, and it is retrograde. So a lot of the times uh, when I'm trying to communicate, um, what I've noticed is that I will get many images flashing through my brain and I have to kind of pick and choose which ones are going to come out of my mouth. Um, a lot of memories come up. I, I have a lot more difficulty communicating if I'm feeling emotional. I also, what I've noticed too, and I'm, when I go back and review my podcast sometimes just to learn more, I tend to start some sentences and some ideas without completely finishing them because a new idea has come up and I want to follow that train of thought. So I've been trying to, this week in particular, maybe try to finish an idea before I start a new one. It's difficult. Because when you have a, a, a mind that is constantly flashing with those types of sensory impressions, um, like I said, it's, it's difficult to figure out which thread you're going to follow. 
Okay. So that may be happening on the collective level as well. And I'm just trying to speak from experience right there. So that is what I have for the planetary condition report. I know it's a little bit longer for the planetary condition, but I thought that would give us some really good contextualization about what these planets are going to be trying to do. And as I go through the daily reports and do some, some deeper dives on the, um, the mythology and the meaning and the decans and the, the aspects that are perfecting, you'll have some context to be able to, to work with it. All right. I'm going to move forward to Monday. And we are going to talk about Monday the 22nd. I'm going to go to one chart here. So on, whoops, my notes are trying to fall over. On Monday, June the 22nd. Now, if you're, if you follow numerology at all, there are certain numbers that are, they call master numbers or higher octaves of the single digits. And 22 is called the master builder, higher octave of four, where you're trying to build, maybe more, bring divine ideals onto the material plane and build for a collective rather than just on a personal level. So I always keep an eye out for master numbers like 11 and 22 and realize that sometimes those might have uh, more significance within our, our collective experience. There may be things that are being built on these days or energy that has much more far-reaching ramifications um, than a normal day sometimes. So keep, keep an eye out for that. Um, so what we're doing when we are starting with Monday the 22nd, I'm going to move the sun to the ascendant here. Uh, the first thing I wanted to point out is we are beginning the day with the moon in cancer still in that new moon phase the moon will be escaping the bond which if you remember me talking about the bond is at new moons and full moons the the moon is uh hidden within that 15 degree orb so and under the beams so when the moon escapes the bond is when the moon is is technically i guess becoming visible or escaping from the, the heat, the, the, the huge heat of the furnace. And we, we see that moment very similarly as like a condition uh, of phosphorus, like when a planet changes directions or when a, a planet emerges from that furnace, that omen is speaking a little bit louder. It's giving us some, some context as to what uh, was going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Um, in the hidden, like in the underworld, it's emerging from the underworld. And the first aspect it makes, it gives us some, uh, some insight into what we might be experiencing as the moon is waxing towards its fullness. So at about 7 a.m., 15 degrees of cancer, uh, the it will emerge from under the bond. And the first aspect it makes beyond this conjunction with retrograde Mercury uh, is in opposition to retrograde Jupiter. So it is retrograde, it is uh, aspecting a benefic planet, but it is through an opposition. So there is some kind of challenge or some kind of conflict where we may be uh, trying to bring some sort of abundance into our lives, but we're running into a planet that is not in its favorite place. Uh, it is in its fall, where we're instead of trying to, to grow. Uh, and have connections with our higher self, 
we may be trying to let go of some of our old material belief systems and contract. So there may be some conflict this, this new moon cycle in figuring out what we want to include, cancer and the moon, and what we need to exclude. Okay, so what stays and what goes, and that, that's going to be something that may bring us a little bit of an existential crisis over the next few weeks. So the moon, uh, as I just mentioned, is going to be conjoining retrograde Mercury before it escapes the bond at 4 o'clock in the morning at 14 degrees of Cancer. It will trine uh, Neptune at 20 degrees of Pisces at 421 p.m., and then it will make an opposition to both Pluto and Jupiter in their retrograde cycles at 24 degrees at 10.18 p.m. and then 11.28 p.m. So the beginning of Monday, we're going to see that moon escaping the bond. Um, it may, we may be starting to gather resources as far as information that we need to, to bring about this um, manifestation of this new karmic seed and this new... Uh, narrative chapter that we've been assigned uh, that we are experiencing at that eclipse energy. Remember, we're still in that Bardot period. We're still in this kind of period where um, the, the butterfly within the cocoon is dissolving. It's uh, all of its, oh, I don't know, what are they called? All of its DNA and reforming into something new. So it's this liminal space in between um, paradigms. And uh, we have, like I said, we have a trine and a conjunction, but then uh, some challenging oppositions throughout the, the end of the day. So something to pay attention to on, on Monday is what are you going to be, what is the story that you're going to be trying to um, bring to fruition at the full moon at the next eclipse, which happens on July 5th, and that is going to be a full moon um, lunar eclipse. Okay, so that one will be more associated with K2, the south node, where we're processing something old and the energy is leaving rather than something new coming in at the, at the north node, which is called Rahu. That's the, the mouth of the, of the dragon, the severed head of the dragon that is trying to consume the elixir of life or the elixir of immortality. But it can never be satisfied. Remember that. That is something to consider when we think of eclipses. Eclipses in traditional astrology were thought of as malefic events. They, you know, they were pretty freaked out when uh, the lights, the, the sources of vitality, were uh, being turned off or being consumed. So I, I think that's something to realize when we are examining those eclipses is that sometimes they can bring challenging circumstances. They're not, um, they're not a good time to like go charge your crystals. It's, it's not something that you want to... It's not an energy that you want to um, bottle, I guess, okay? Uh, it's something to, to move through. And, and in ancient times, there was something to protect against. So consider that. All right, let's move forward to Tuesday, the 23rd. Okay, on Tuesday, June 23rd, the moon is in Cancer but it moves into the sign of Leo at 8.33 a.m. We're continuing our new moon phase, the 45 degrees after the new moon, um, before we are getting to the, the crescent, the waxing crescent phase. So we're still kind of getting clear on what, what our divine assignment is. 
And the big news of the day is that Saturn will be stationing, um, stationing retrograde, retrograde? Yeah, Neptune, I wrote stationing direct, but I meant stationing retrograde. Um, Neptune will be stationing retrograde at 20 degrees of Pisces at 12.32 a.m. Now, this isn't something that is super rare. The outer planets um, move in retrograde motion um, for a substantial part of the year. Uh, so a lot of people will have retrograde outer planets in their charts, and their birth charts. Um, so I tend to pay more attention to the retrogrades of the the seven are the the inner planets because the sun and the moon don't don't ever retrograde the five non-lunar or non-luminary visible planets but if you wanted to extrapolate some meaning from that we might be reviewing some of the um things that we were hmm, trying to transcend through through neptune um we may be reviewing some of the illusions that we may have taken on through this last mars uh Neptune conjunction. Uh, we may be uh, going internal more for our escapism. And so instead of like externally trying to escape something, we may be uh, escaping something on a psychological level and <laughs> not wanting to deal with something, um, you know, in our minds and in our, in our hearts. Um, so just keep your eyes peeled for that, um, for the, those types of impulses, and just be aware that that is something that is happening. We may also see with uh, Neptune generally being associated with um, ambiguity and toxins as well. There may be something in the collective where we're reviewing something poisonous too. We may see like a, I don't know, like an environmental protection type of review or some kind of uh, challenge like a, oh, I don't know, like a, a chemical leak or something like that. Um, I know that Astrology can be very literal sometimes. I'll just t briefly tell you a story about Mercury going retrograde. Is in, in my community here, the day that Mercury was stationing retrograde, slowing down to a halt, we had two water mains that broke, probably due to some kind of construction, but two, Mercury, dual, right? Uh, water mains, Mercury is in the water sign of Cancer, and a reversal something that is not functioning. Remember, Mercury was a messenger and it was, it was like a, a pathway. It was clearing a pathway for things to, to connect. It was a, the connection between the, the, the world of the mortal world and the world of the underworld. So I thought it was just very literal and interesting that the pathways for receiving water ceases, ceased to function. And it was a, a sort of a temporary delay um, we went out and got some jugs of water just in case because it, we, I have a feeling that may be revisited through the retrograde cycle um, just to be prepared. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, I believe that there was someone else that was talking about their dishwasher was stuck on a cycle or, you know, I've heard people talk about their washing machines breaking or anything that was related to water. Um, one of my favorite astrologers, Austin Kopik, has had a story, I believe, about his, his dishwasher or something completely going on the fritz during a Mercury retrograde in, in the water sign. Um, so keep, keep an eye out for that during this Mercury retrograde cycle as well as anything related to literally to water could, could be needing a review. Okay, so that may be some of the things we're experiencing as well with Neptune going 
retrograde, but potentially more on a collective level, uh, really, really examining our collective belief systems and the way that we may be, oh, I don't know, one of the buzzwords lately is spiritually bypassing, where we are uh, failing to deal with a difficult, tangible issue um, and trying to uh, rationalize it away with our spirituality. Um, and my astrology teacher, Truth Baba, has some really good material on that recently, if you want to check out his channel. Um, we've talked about that a lot in class, like especially in, our, in relationship to get, coming to terms with some of the more unpleasant um, factors of traditional astrology, because that's one of the, the, one of the kind of existential crises that you go through when you start studying traditional astrology, is the language that they use is not... Um, is sometimes not as constructive and sometimes talks about the, the destruction of form. Um, and that can, be, that can be experienced as unpleasant. We, we've done this kind of thing in modern, the last, I don't know, few decades of astrology where we, they even refuse to, to publish the word malefic in astrological circles because there was this kind of, uh, I guess, spiritual bypassing where we we're saying that you know, we don't want to experience anything negative. And because we have evolved beyond negativity. And I, I think that that's one of the things that I had to come to terms with studying traditional astrology is not necessarily experiencing things as bad. It's thinking of it in a different way and more in a cycle of increase and decrease. The increase and the decrease of light, the increase and decrease of form, of things coming into being and things passing away. None of those things are inherently wrong. It's just that as human beings, we tend to gravitate towards growth in, and increase because we feel we, we're attached to that, especially in Western civilizations. I don't think it's necessarily as true for other civilizations, but I can't speak to that with great authority because I wasn't raised in those other cultures and I don't live in those other cultures. But I know as a Westerner in America, the mythology, the stories that we are, are that we've bought into as a collective, or that we've been fed, have been ones of exponential growth, and anything related to death, decay, contraction, loss, is thought of as taboo, and thought of as weakness. And I think that that's the biggest shift that we're going through as a collective right now. And one of the biggest reckonings with America is that we have to come to terms with death, decay, contraction, with not necessarily having to win all the time because loss is a part of life. Um, what goes up must come down. Um, what is born must eventually die. And if we take away the, the moral judgment of those natural cycles and view them objectively as cycles of nature, that helps us appreciate them. So I think that that is something that we are going to be coming to terms with uh, as a collective, I think with um, some of the retrogrades of our collective belief systems with Neptune as well. All right, so some of the other lunar aspects of the day on Tuesday. The moon is going to be making a trine to Mars from 27 degrees of Cancer to 27 degrees of Pisces at 3.20 in the a.m. 
Then the moon will move into Leo at 8.33 a.m. It will come into an opposition very shortly after ingressing into Leo with Saturn in Aquarius. So that happens around 9.30 a.m., a retrograde Saturn. Um, and then the only other lunar aspect of the day is the moon will make a sextile from five degrees of Leo to retrograde Venus at five degrees of Gemini. So in the beginning of the day on Tuesday, we may come face to face with our limitations. Um, we may have feelings of wanting to um, craft an identity and, and have issues of pride bubble up. Um, I know that what I've experienced with a lot of the Leo moons is in the collective is we will see uh, the need for limitations that serve the group and then people will have a negative reaction based on their own personal individual desires and their individual desires to have freedom and, and personal identity and personal choice. So I think that that may be something that is highlighted on Tuesday the 23rd is this kind of like uh, Saturn is saying no and the moon in Leo is very much wanting to say yes and the, the conflicts that are inherent in that. Um, with the sextile with retrograde Venus, we just may be seeing some kind of positive communication between the moon trying to bring something into being, potentially triggering something from the past, like a communication, a relationship from the past, but bringing it back into harmony, hopefully. Um, again, Venus's condition is, is challenged right now, uh, being retrograde and stationing, um, and then being provided for um, by a retrograde Mercury that is not witnessing the domicile. Yeah, and one of the things I would say that is coming up in the collective that I've observed that, that speaks to that lunar um, Leo, uh, Aquarian, Saturn type of opposition um, is the, the concept of the mask, right? And that's been a, a real hot button issue that has become politicized and become, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking right now, I'm, I'm pausing because I had an experience the other day um, I, I am choosing to, to wear a mask when I go outside, even if I'm going on a walk. Um, and I believe California made this man mandatory recently. Um, but the state that I live in, Michigan, there's a lot of folks here that really, um, really are against that. And I think part of it is that our, um, the people in power right now have made it into a political issue rather than a public safety issue, which is really... Um, it, it, it's difficult because for me, it's a, it's a public safety issue. Um, it's a, it's a, I want to keep my community safe. I want to keep my family safe. And I, I've been experiencing a lot of um, discomfort when I go outside and, and harassment. Um, we are the only family in our neighborhood uh, that wears a mask when we're going outside. I'm sure that there is some others that do, but we haven't seen them for a while. And people, it's very, we feel very conspicuous when we go out. Um, and I had some neighbors that um, were literally catcalling us as we were going out and mocking us. And it was, it was hurtful. It was painful. And um, I guess what I will say, my experience of that is, it, it's one thing, I think, to make the argument that you have a personal choice as far as if you want to wear it or not. I still believe that for the good of the community, wearing a mask is important. Um, but I think that uh, 
actively um, are actively mocking someone for making the choice to wear it as as a, as a whole another level of uh, distaste to me, and I, I, I'm really struggling with that. It's making me um, very uncomfortable, even just going outside in my my own community. And I wonder if you all are feeling any of that as well. Um, I think that could be part of it. And I think that with the moon in Leo, one of the things that the mask, I want to talk about the mask a little bit because, you know, masks have a lot of cultural significance and they have a lot of meaning wrapped up in them. And I think that one of the things that we struggle with as a community in America here is we have exalted individual identity and we've exalted, uh, you know, our, you know, um, ability to quote unquote, or the illusion of being able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And we have this kind of um, masculine, uh, I guess, almost like cowboy aesthetic in our country, where if you're showing any sign of, of weakness or feminine weakness, fe feminine, I, I use that in, not in a gender quality, but like active versus receptive type of um, but you could apply it to that, I guess, too. I mean, there's definitely toxic masculinity in, in our country. Um, and I think that I'm, I've been trying to unpack what it means and why people feel so threatened by that. And I think part of it is feeling um, sadness over the loss of maybe some individual identity, rejecting um, the, the loss of what they consider personal choice. Um, I think that we have a very uh, naive understanding of what freedom really is in this country. We have this kind of a, a great, great portion of the country has a uh, freedom at all costs. And I don't think that that's what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence is all about. I, I don't think that your individual choice has a, um, an override on the, uh, the good of the community. At least I hope it doesn't. I, I would hope that for the folks that are taking that position. Yes, I, I will acknowledge that there could be a slippery slope about taking away other rights, and, and that is something we definitely have to keep an eye on, that we don't fall into uh, a, a system that is too authoritarian. But I also think it's important to, to balance that out with a respect for one another and a respect for our, our community. And yeah, I think that, that uh, showing vulnerability is not always a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And I, I think I wanted to make that point. I think that acknowledging that there are forces that are greater than your own ego, which something like a virus could be acknowledging, is that there are forces of nature that are, that are just to have more power than we do, that don't discriminate, that are going to take people from every uh, demographic, every economic demographic, every racial demographic, every gender, every sexual orientation. Although I will say that is something that should be acknowledged too, is that the, the, the virus does seem to be having a greater impact on um, people of color and, and because of some other systemic issues about healthcare and things like that. So I definitely want to acknowledge that. But I do think that things like diseases can be also great equalizers. And realizing 
Um, and this just comes back to, to humility. Um, we're being humbled as a nation right now. And the, the more that we hang on to that hubris, the more and more difficult it's going to be to make the changes that we need to, to make. And I'm just saying this from some of my personal experience and feeling um, very, very uncomfortable in my community right now. And, and I would, I would, I wonder, like I said, sh share in the comments, how, how is it going in your communities? I know I have a lot of international viewers too. Like I know in other countries, this isn't as stigmatized as it is. It hasn't been made into this political issue. Like I, I, like I believe in like Asian countries, you know, it's, it's the exact opposite. Like you're stigmatized if you're not wearing it, you're not wearing the mask, you know, you're thought of as, as selfish. And I, I just wonder what is your experience of this been? Um, because my, my astrological opinion too, is that um, we are not done with the pandemic and we are going to see a conjunction of Jupiter and Pluto again at the end of the month and again in November. Um, which most astrologers that I've been absorbing information from have really talked about Jupiter-Pluto as being one of the, the main signifiers of the illness itself. So um, anybody who's been asking me, I've been telling them, do, do not relax right now. This is not a time to relax. And what do you really have to lose um, beyond, uh, you know, your life? I, I, I don't know. Now I'm starting to see the other side of this thing. This is how my brain works, is I'll make a statement and then the other argument will come up in my, in my mind. And I guess, yes, it is difficult because we are losing um, our ability to support ourselves by not being able to work sometimes. And, you know, again, communities of color have been uh, affected more intensely than, than white communities, again, with this. And... I believe that that has to do with some of our systemic challenges with how we receive healthcare and things of that nature. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's complicated. I will, I will admit that. Um, but take care of each other and, and try to, I don't know, I'll get off my soapbox here, but you know, it's okay to, to, to release some of that uh, individuality temporarily doesn't mean that you're going to be consumed into um, a completely homogenous experience. They will never be able to take away the flame of your inner light. You know, if, if you are, I think I'll say it like this, like if you're completely identified with an external appearance of power and of individuality, that is only surface and that will never last. And if you can get in touch with the, the flame of your heart that is both uh, unique and a point of consciousness, but also part of a greater whole, that's when you've really got something eternal that can never be taken away from you, whether you hide your face or not. And I, I think that that's, that's something to consider as we move forward through our week here. Okay, let me move forward. Um, Wednesday the 24th. The moon will continue to move through Leo, uh, continuing to make that opposition to Saturn. The only other aspect we're, we're feeling with this uh, uh, on Wednesday is the moon will be making a square to Uranus at nine degrees of Leo and Taurus. So again, this may be you know, bringing up feelings of rebellion, feelings of 
wanting to shake up the status quo, issues of pride over resources and about um, identity. Um, so it's making a big T-square between the moon, Uranus, and Saturn. Uh, and and I, I, I'm afraid that on some level I may be preaching to the choir with, with this kind of thing, although I know that I have definitely had some listeners that, that don't agree with me, and that's okay. We can, we can hold opposing viewpoints and agree to disagree. That is totally within the realm of possibility. And also some folks will come here and get certain information and not always agree with all my belief systems, and that's okay too. Try to take what you can from it, and if there's other things that you don't resonate with, and you don't have to incorporate that. That's fine. Um, but again, on Wednesday the 24th, um, that is the main uh, aspect of the day is we may be getting shaken up. Some of our, our senses of identity are going to be shaken up and how we are moving through our day and trying to bring a sense of selection and what, what does make us special. Um, these, are, these are tough times for uh, Leo-type energies. Um, it is very Saturn-heavy right now. And Leo is a very solar type of energy. So we're really being asked to do a lot of Aquarian type things, which can be really uncomfortable for uh, any type of Leo type of person out there or any type of Leo energy where we're saying, this is me and this is what I want and this is who I am. Um, and I feel you because I'm, I'm a Leo ascendant and uh, it, it is a little bit of a, it's a humbling, it's a humbling energy. And if there's one thing that Leos don't always enjoy, it's, it's having to be humbled, <laughs> but, but it's necessary. And we're, we're probably the ones that need it the most. So bring it, right? <laughs> okay, let's get into some of the meat of this uh, forecast here. So I'm going to move forward to Thursday the 25th. You doing all right out there? Everybody hanging in there? Yeah, there's been a lot of things going on lately with humility. We had a kind of a an issue with our mayor in our small little town here in Michigan, who made some pretty inappropriate remarks, some very racially insensitive remarks. And um, right as uh, Venus was retrograding over uh, her natal Venus, it, almost exactly, <laughs> the astrology of it was pretty intense. And um, she's going through. Uh, uh, quite a quite a hum humility a, hu a hubris falling right now a tower experience and um, you know that's that's if we go through those experiences with uh, with grace um, I think that's the way to go through those if you double down and you uh, try to protect the old belief and the old experience that was shown to be um, you know not not uh, something that is effective anymore of a way to relate to people. That's when we really experienced the, the hardship is it was when we doubled down on it. So um, if you are experiencing anything like that, I know a lot, a lot of folks are, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of humblings, even if it's just an awareness of um, some of the, the biases that we may have taken for granted and the, or the privilege that we've taken for granted, that can be really, really humbling. And my advice, just go through it gracefully, ask a lot of questions, do a lot of the hard work yourself um, and try not to get too, um, uh, try not to get too, uh, have a, the, the, the reaction that I would advise against is a reaction of self-pity. 
because uh, that's really not the right reaction. The reaction is just saying, hey, you know what? That is something that I'm realizing is no longer uh, going to serve myself or my community anymore, and that's okay. It's just a contraction. It's, it's less about feeling um, overwhelming shame and guilt, although that, those feelings serve a purpose. It is okay to acknowledge those feelings in the beginning of the process, but getting stuck in them is not effective. Let those feelings drive you towards the hard work of making the internal changes and educating yourself. I think that's, like I said, I've been saying education is the, is the key to making that change. And then once you've been able to start releasing those, um, that's when you can feel like you're um, really uh, embracing something new when you've let go of the old. Okay, Thursday the 25th, the moon will be moving from Leo into the sign of Virgo. So we'll be coming out of that kind of difficult relationship with Saturn uh, and coming into a sextile with the sun. The moon's going to sextile the sun and Mercury. It's going to also begin to trine Uranus. And, uh, but it will be uh, making an opposition by whole sign to Mars. So that's the only challenging part that we have here. On Thursday the 25th, uh, Venus is going to be stationing direct at five degrees of Gemini at 2.48 in the morning. And remember, we've talked about that first decade of Gemini being associated with the Eight of Swords, where we had a blindfolded figure that was bound and surrounded by swords and paralyzed by the proliferation of options. So we may be revisiting a new proliferation of, op of, of options and trying to move forward with choices after we've been getting in touch with what we really want, what we really desire. Um, we've been shown the ways that we um, create discord, I think. And we've been shown the ways that, uh, I know that our, the mayor in our town was shown the way that she created division. And now with Mer Venus moving forward in that sign of Mercury, we're doing the, the repair work to try to bring back together uh, disparate viewpoints. And when we've been shown kind of how things were dysfunctional, how, how do we do the work of creating unity again? And we've done this as a collective too. We, we've seen how we're different. We're see, we've, you know, Venus, it, its essential nature is to harmonize and bring things together. And when it's been going retrograde, it's been, you know, throwing, um, throwing up a huge awareness of, of how that is not functioning properly. Um, now, the challenge, again, with Venus is it's hosted by a retrograde Mercury. So, again, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be an overnight solution. And Mercury is going through its own challenges right now. Mercury is kind of busy in the underworld. Mercury is away. Mercury is in that underworld, retrograde, trying to collect all the pieces of Osiris to build something new and not able to provide as much of the answers yet. Uh, so this is a great time for collecting information. It's a great time for kind of still, before you're able to create unity again, to, to still come to an awareness of all the things that may have caused the separation in the first place and start to make choices. Uh, so I, that's what I would do with this particular energy. Um, the moon's going to move into Virgo at 1.04 p.m. It will make a sextile to the sun at 9.33 p.m. at 4 degrees of Virgo and Cancer. And then it's going to square a newly direct Venus at five degrees of Virgo and Gemini at 1017 PM. So again, you may, you may have some, some kind of challenging conversations potentially due to some of the realizations that you have about how you um, 
have grown apart in some of your relationships and, and how you create harmony within your, your community or within your family or within your relationship. All right, let's move forward to Friday. On Friday, June the 26th, the moon is going to be moving through the sign of Virgo, where it has the triplicity ruler of the earth signs. It is moving into the waxing crescent phase. That phase actually began on Thursday the 25th. So the waxing crescent phase is about gathering the resources necessary to bring something into fruition. Remember, the moon was, was the kind of the membrane surrounding the earth that allowed things in and allowed things to pass out of being. And in the waxing phase, it's allowing energy in and trying to bring forms into being. It was associated with nurturing and with growing uh, a baby in the womb. So we're trying to grow some kind of uh, karma baby, <laughs> like at this new moon eclipse that's going to come uh, you know, and be born at that full moon. So we're gathering resources right now. If we're Think about in terms of pregnancy, we're, we're gathering all sorts of uh, nutrients for the child. We're consuming all sorts of things. And we may come to some kind of uh, challenge with, uh, with Venus, with the square. All right. Let's move with, with Friday the 26th. It is going to be making a trine to Uranus at 5.44 a.m. at 9 degrees. Um, and then a sextile to retrograde Mercury at 10.17 a.m. at 12 degrees of Virgo and 12 degrees of Cancer. So some harmonious aspects on Friday. Um, again, we may be able to incorporate the changes practically um, that, that Uranus is asking of us in the sign of, of Taurus. Uh, also, we may have some fruitful conversations or fruitful reviews, okay? Reviews of information. We may have to be redoing things and, and taking care of some details that we may have missed. Um, the, the only challenge with the moon right now is uh, it is being hosted by a retrograde Mercury, so um, we may be reskilling or, or relearning something. Uh, so that may be part of the themes that we're, we're going through on Friday. If I move forward to the 27th, uh, June 27th, Saturday, here we have some of the, uh, the Mars significations that I wanted to do more of a deep dive on. So I'm going to talk about Mars in general. Um, but let's let's move through the lunar aspects first, and then I'm kind of I'll I'll talk about the mythology and the significations of Mars. All right, so let me look and get an idea here. Okay, so on Saturday, the, the sun I'm sorry the moon will be making an opposition to retrograde Neptune at 20 degrees of Virgo and Pisces at 12:56 a.m. very early in the morning. It will then trine both retrograde Pluto and Jupiter um, at 6.24 and 6.51 a.m. at about 24 degrees. Uh, and then it'll make an opposition to Mars at 4 p.m. at 29 degrees. That what some people call the anoretic degree. Um, in Hellenistic astrology, one of the things we talk about with a planet being in the final degrees is that it is in a, uh, a malefic bound. So I believe, where is Mars right now? Mars is in the, the terms of Saturn, so there will be some challenges, some, some tough uh, conversations about contraction and how our actions are facilitating um, exclusion or ex ex you know, facilitating um, contraction. So that's something that we may be experiencing, and the moon is activating that experience through an opposition. So the, the big news of the day on Saturday the 27th is after that opposition, 
after we have one final like hiccup, I don't know if it's a final hiccup, but in that particular sign, okay, at about 9.45 p.m., Mars is going to move into its own domicile of Aries. Now, this is significant. There we go, roughly around 9.45, 10 o'clock. So you can see here, Mars is now at zero degrees of Aries, first decan. Um, it is now going to be in an overcoming square to both the Sun and Mercury. So that creates tension between Mars and the Sun and Mercury. Um, it is making a sextile ray to Venus now. So it is attempting to potentially assist Venus, although what kind of help does Mars give? We'll, we'll, we'll unpack it. Um, it is now also coming into a whole sign square to Jupiter and Pluto, which can exacerbate some of those qualities that we're experiencing with the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction of the, um, the corruption energy that we've been experiencing through our um, organized material hierarchical structures. So that could, we, we're going to feel some anger related to those now some conflict, some tension, if we haven't already, <laughs> like, it's going to get louder, um, is what I will say. So let's unpack Mars, because Mars is now going to be in the sign of Aries for the next six months, which is a long time. Every other year, Mars and Venus retrograde and spend a significant portion of time in one particular sign. And Mars will be in Aries from the 27th of June till, the, <laughs> till January 6th of 2021. So literally six months. Uh, it is going to station retrograde on September 9th at 28 degrees of Aries and then station direct again on November 13th at 15 degrees of Aries. During that time, it is going to make a square to retrograde Saturn at 26 degrees of Capricorn on August the 24th of this year with Saturn overcoming. It will then make another square to Saturn when, when Saturn is direct and Mars is retrograde on the 29th of September. Okay, so that's important. That is a very intense aspect. And I talked a little bit earlier about feeling like we're driving with our foot on the brake, right? So it's kind of this intense energy of wanting to move forward, but having to work within these very strict limitations. Uh, and it's going to be a rough summer. I'm just not going to beat around the bush with you. We're heading up to an election year. Uh, things are going to intensify. You know, a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of the gaslighting and propaganda is going to get louder. Um, a lot of the attempts to hold on to power um, potentially corrupt, corrupt attempts to, to hold on to power are going to become even more magnified. And it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be a definitely a, a, a feeling of oppression as we move forward with Saturn being in the, the superior position to Mars. Okay. That means Saturn is the upper hand, you know, that feeling of limitation, that feeling of contraction is in some way, limiting our ability to take action, 
right? Our ability to express our anger and to get the catharsis that we, we need through that and the change that we need. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read to you from Demetria George's book, Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice. I really like the way that she summarizes the planets. So here is on page 49. This is her little paragraph on Mars. So she says, Mars was understood by ancient astrologers as the dry, fiery, and hot powder that is destructive of the life force as it appears both in nature and in human character. This planet was associated with violence, wars, anger, murder, danger, recklessness, the hunt and chase, combat, torture, and bloodshed. It, le it led to estrangements, breaches in friendship, enemies, lawsuits, theft, and the taking away of belongings. It signifies lies, reproaches, and perjury. It governs those who gain their ends through the use of fire and iron. Sexually, it was connected with the procreative impulse and sexual intercourse, as well as adulteries, ruination of women, and abortion. In the body, it was said to rule the head, seat, genitals, blood, sperm duct, bile, adrenals, and the elimination of excrement. It brings fevers, inflammations, ulcerations, and pustules. It is the color red. It is acidic in taste, and its metal is iron, and its day is Tuesday. When Mars is in good condition, it can make the person daring, valiant, courageous, indomitable, and conversant in danger. It signifies military leaders, warriors, and success in warfare. However, when it is in poor condition, it makes the native a wrongdoer, blasphemous, uncontrollable, and reckless. It may bring severe bodily suffering. The poetic name of Mars is Puerdes. Puerdes? Puerdes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. P-U-R-O-E-I-D-E-S, which means the fiery one. The Babylonians knew him as Nurgle, the god of the underworld, fevers, plagues, and war, whom the Greeks associated with Ares, their own god of war, violence, and anger. The Roman Martis was a protector of the empire through his military prowess and valor. The nature of Mars is to energize. Its essence, according to Valens, is action and effort. From a modern perspective, it is the archetype of the warrior and competitor. Okay, so I thought that was a great summary. I'll add to that, that Schmidt calls the, the essence of Mars severance and separation. So that is what it is trying to do. It is severing and separating. It is a malefic planet that is, uh, is an, the antithesis of life. It is associated with death. It is associated with, you know, in an agricultural metaphor, the, the fruit severing from the vine and, you know, being able to harvest, right? Um, but also death and decay. It, you know, Mars has its exaltation in Capricorn when, death is strongest on on the earth or when the light or the when the darkness is the strongest mars is of the night sect so it is on the team of planets that have political power when the moon is uh the sect leader or if when if you are born with the sun below the horizon the moon will be your sect leader now the lunar sect was about change it was about 
uh, the realm of fortune with things coming into being and things passing out of being. So another thing to consider with Mars is it takes its joy in the sixth house. And the sixth house was called one of the fortune houses. So both the sixth house and the fifth house were the houses of 2K or of fortune. And 2K was like, whoops, was like the, uh, oh boy, I'm going to get rid of that. Um, 2K was the concept of the more randomized distributions of fate. There it is. I'm trying to spell it with my mouse. 2K, T-Y-C-H-E. Okay. Um, and the sixth house was the, the house of malus 2K, bad fortune. And the fifth house, the house of good fortune. So Venus had its joy in the fifth house, which is also of the lunar sect. And Mars had its joy in the sixth house, which is uh, of the lunar sect. So we could think of Mars, too, as being kind of a more random distribution of, of uh, negative fate. And we, we can see in the tradition that the sixth house was associated with injury, illness, accidents, uh, enemies also was one of the significations, that in the twelfth house. So you can think about it in an injury or an illness. It's something that befalls you. It's a fortune that is not always necessarily your fault. If you have an accident, if you trip and fall and break your leg, that's a martial type of event. That is a severing. That is a separation. Um, that is a, a kind of a, a, a instance of bad fortune. Um, so that is something to consider with Mars too. And just like the opposite with that is we have the spirit houses 11 and 12, which are called the houses of uh, daimon. And the 12th house is associated with the malus daimon, which is Saturn. And Jupiter is the, the good daimon, uh, the fortunate daimon. And those are associated with the, the sun because they are on the solar sect. And those may be more about actions that are taken um, through your own awareness, through pranoia, through your ability to have the light of the mind. Um, Saturn, the, the, the concept of punitive justice, right? Punishment. I think we can think of the 12th house as the, a house of isolation, of prisons, of hospitals, potentially of like reaping what we are sowing from our actions in the negative, but to be redeemed. I, I've, I like calling Saturn the, a redeemer because I, I do think that Saturn isn't just like making us suffer for no reason. Um, I think that it is, it is a necessary part of bringing things back into balance. Just as Jupiter could be thought of some of the distributive justice that we are, like some of the, the good things that we're receiving based on the merit of our actions, of the, of the positive things that we are doing through our pronoia, through our knowing, through our knowledge, through our foreknowledge, okay? So what we're having here when Mars is starting to square Saturn is we've got a real conflict between the concept of punitive justice, which that sounds like the prison and the police system <laughs> and, and the randomized acts of, uh, of negativity, of, of anger, the expression of accidents and things like that. So I, I think that unfortunately, um, I will predict that there is probably going to be more violence this summer 
in regards to either protests or things like martial law, um, things like the military um, becoming more prevalent um, because Saturn's going to be in that overcoming position. The, the hand of um, order, I guess you'd call it, is going to be really trying to, to squash any martial uprising. Now, what do we do about that? Well, I don't have the greatest answer yet. Let's talk a little bit more about Mars's mythology, and that may be giving us a, a, some solutions. So Mars or Ares, Ares in Greek, Mars in the Roman uh, language, was the son of Zeus and Hera. And he was the father of Deimos, which was, translates to terror, and Phobos, which translates to fear. And both of those were through his uh, illicit affair with Aphrodite or Venus. So Venus was married to like this, um, uh, to Hephaestus, who is the blacksmith, who was kind of a, a homely dude who toiled away um, at, his, uh, at his anvil, creating these beautiful weapons and, and shields and all these like girdles of the gods. And uh, I believe that Aphrodite was promised by, I don't know if it was by Zeus or whatever, to Hephaestus, the most homely of the gods, so that uh, people wouldn't fight over her or something like that. But she was not necessarily faithful. So some of the uh, you know, significations of infidelity with Mars can come up um, because they had kind of this illicit affair. And the story goes that they were caught in the act because Hephaestus kind of got got wise to the fact that they were having an affair and created this, this net that would like fall on them in the, their conjugal bed. And he caught them in the act, like in a compromising position. And all of the gods came to, well, I guess the story was the female gods didn't come to witness because it wouldn't, it would be uncouth, but all the male gods came and, and mocked uh, Ares and Aphrodite and, you know, shame them and things like of that nature. So some of some of the mythology behind that, but interesting that through through their union we have things like terror and fear. Uh, there were also uh, through their mating the uh, the asteroid that we've named an asteroid over Eris, uh, the goddess of discord, and Enyo, who is the goddess of war and, and uh, violence, uh, and Eros, the goddess the god or goddess of lust. And lastly, harmonia, the, which is associated with harmony. So we've got terror, fear, discord, war, lust, and ultimately harmony, right? So some, of, some interesting significations from, from Ares and Ares myths. Now, the medieval qualities, like the, or the Aristotelian qualities that we could assign to Mars is it's very hot and dry. It's, it's near the celestial sphere of the sun, so it speeds things up. Whenever something is hot, we see it speeding something up. And drying qualities have qualities of separating. So you can see when the earth gets really hot and dry, it splits. And, and that can be some of the, you know, what we think about with relationship to Mars. Mars wants to take action. It wants to, to, to go to battle. It is the raw qualities of raw brutality, raw power, rage. Um, it is the least favorite son of Zeus. So I thought this was kind of interesting too. I wanted to quote something from the Iliad. 
or the Iliad, I don't know how to pronounce it. But here is a, a quote. It says, when, this is when Mars had returned uh, wounded and crippled from a battle. It says, then looking at him darkly, Zeus, who gathers the clouds, spoke to him. Do not sit behind me and whine, you double-faced liar. To me, you are the most hateful of all gods who hold Olympus. Forever quarreling is dear to your heart, wars and battles. And yet, I will not long endure to see you in pain, since you are my child. And it was to me that your mother bore you. But you were born of some other god, and proved so ruinous long since you would have been dropped beneath the gods of the bright sky. Okay, so you know, this is like Zeus showing his contempt for his son, Ares. Um, but also being like, hey, you know what? You're, son you're my son, so that means I can't completely discard you, <laughs> okay? Um, Ares has, was more dignified when he was called Mars in the Roman civilization. The Greeks were not a huge fan of Ares. They, they were like, you know, this is uncivilized, this is uncouth, this is like all the things, I believe they were trying, almost trying to repress this energy, so to speak. Uh, but in the Roman culture, they, they exalted war, they exalted battle, and, and Ares, as Mars, took on more of the significations of courage, of something like a protector of the realm or something like that. But it, but it definitely is based on the, on the cultural uh, normatives that, that the stories came from. One other thing that I thought was horrifying but, but interesting was that uh, they associated um, dog sacrifice with Mars. There were ritualistic puppy sacrifices in some of these cultures to propitiate Mars, um, which I thought was horrible. And uh, I don't know, I can't make this stuff up. So uh, I wonder if, if any of the people in the news that we've seen, like that are, you know, where we see abuses of pets or animals have a, have a really poorly placed Mars. Like one person that comes to mind is the football player, Michael Vick, um, who uh, was a, convicted of abusing dogs or dog fighting or things like that and i wonder i wonder what his where his mars was i'm trying to look it up real quick here michael vick natal chart let's see if my theory plays out well he has a Mars-Saturn conjunction, um, which is not always uh, said to be very pleasant. Um, and that is uh, making a square to his moon and a square to his Venus. So both of those are overcoming his Venus. But I think that um, his Mars and his Saturn are very, very tightly conjoined. And that was a, a fairly negative condition in um, Hellenistic astrology. So yeah, that could be that could be part of it, but anyway, I just thought that was an interesting aside or one that was like kind of like wow, I'm, I'm glad that that's hopefully less of an issue. I'm really quite surprised at how um, literal some of the significations play out. One little side note 
digression before I move forward with Mars is that when I was doing some research on fixed stars, I came across um, some information about, uh, what is his name? The Kneeler. And this says, who is the Kneeler? Oh man, I gotta find him again. So we, I had a fixed star that was uh, in Sagittarius that was called the Kneeler. It, yeah, so the, the Kneeler's name was El Neelum, okay? And this was, this is at, uh, oh, wait a second. Oh, geez. Now I'm getting myself in trouble by riffing here. <laughs> well, anyway, um, the gist of it is, is that at this particular position, uh, it was associated with the God who is kneeling in humility. And, okay, yeah, this was uh, Ras Al-Gethi, Ras Al-Gethi. And I thought it was so uh, fascinating because this was um, Hercules, the kneeler. And this was about giving humility before the gods. And it's at about 16 degrees of Sagittarius. And the first person that came to my mind was um, Colin Kaepernick, who was the first to take a knee during the national anthem during an NFL game. And I was like, man, that guy's got to have something conjoined this fixed star. And sure enough, his Saturn was at about 18 degrees of Sagittarius with, within a three-degree orb of this Ras Algethi, the kneeler. And he began his, um, his protest, his kneeling protest, just as his Saturn return was beginning. So he, <laughs> had, a, he had that particular planet um, being um, activated. and became famous for being a kneeler. So like I said, this, this is uh, something that is, can be very literal. And I would very much encourage a study of fixed stars. And I'll try to do my best to incorporate that more and more into my forecast here, because I think that it's, it brings a whole nother layer of richness. Um, in addition to uh, when I learn more about the astronomical factors involved with precession and with how the constellations and fixed stars appear in the sky, I'll, I'll, I hope to bring that into my forecast as well, because I think that'll also begin to tie things together. So anyway, th that's, you know, that's kind of what we're going to be seeing with, with Mars, is uh, this kind of raw power, this raw anger, this, like, this desire to take action, to do something, but it's going to be constantly held in check by this retrograde Saturn conjoining Jupiter and Pluto. There's just some factor of limitation, of strong limitation, of, of potentially a corrupt system that is really limiting the amount of uh, action that we are able to take, the amount of change and separation that we're able to enact. It's going to be a very frustrating energy, and this may lead to a, an outpouring of violence, but I, I you know, it, this too shall pass is something that I will say. Like, I think we're going to have to do the hard work, but recognize that we may not be able to do everything that we want to do yet, or we may be, not be able to create all the change that we are hoping for right away. These, these cycles of change are, are long-term, 
And we're going to have to go through some of this stopping and starting energy where we have people that are pushing forth new, new paradigms, new agendas, new, um, new shared belief systems. And then we are having a lot of times a pushback from the older systems, the old conservative system in the, in the truest sense of the word, not necessarily political sense of the word, although you could make that assertion as well, where people are trying to preserve an old order. And to me, this summer, I would say, has a feeling of the Empire Strikes Back. I, I, I just have a feeling that this is like episode, episode five, where you know, we had the uprising um, with you know, the resistance. And now we see the, the powers that be are like trying to squash it. And I have a lot of um, trepidation about the experiences we're going to be having as a nation in America in particular, and as a global community. Um, but just to give you hope, like there is, eventually we get the return of the Jedi where the old order topples and, and we may go through some pain, we may experience some losses. Um, but I do, I do think, I pray and I hope that eventually righteousness and, and justice and, and, you know, equity will prevail. But we'll see. You know, this is, this is the, what we're tasked with right now. And with our pronoia, with our foreknowledge, we get to make some choices within this energy and within this experience that we're, that we're having. All right. So again, um, the dates, I'll just give you the date rundown. Mars is going to be in, uh, Mar Mars is going to be in Aries from the 27th through the 6th. 27th of June through the 6th of January 2021, an entire six months. It's going to retrograde on the 9th of September 2020. It's going to station direct on November 13th. And then we're going to have a perfection of the square to retrograde Saturn on the 24th of August. And then we're going to have another square when Mars is retrograde and Saturn is direct in the 29th of September. There will be one final square on the 13th of January, 2021, um, from Taurus to Aquarius. So a, a different shift of energy. So we're not going to be completely out of the woods after this summer, but it's going to be in a little bit of a different area of life. All right. I got one more day to get through in these long form discussions. Okay. On Sunday, June the 28th, the moon is going to be moving uh, through the sign of Libra and moving into its first quarter phase. So this is about first quarter is when we have a square or a disharmony between the lights. And that was a position of challenge. Um, before the moon squares the sun, it will be making a trine to Venus at five degrees of Libra and Gemini at 1.34 a.m. And then at 4.15 a.m., it makes a square to the sun from seven degrees of Libra to seven degrees of Cancer. Um, the, only other non or, or, uh, the only other lunar aspect of the day is the moon will be squaring retrograde Mercury as well. So that's part of our conversation with our first quarter moon. Um, and then Mars will be sextiling retrograde Saturn uh, throughout the day at 6.58 a.m. from zero degrees of Aries to zero degrees of Aquarius. 
So let's unpack our day here because it's going to be going to be a funky day, I think. So when we have a square aspect between these planets, right? And we've got a 90 degree angle. And squares are of the nature of Mars. So everything I just described with Mars, we can apply to the aspect and kind of the type of conversation that these planets are having. So the moon and, uh, it, you know, the planets that the moon is hosting are not really, uh, they're not digging each other right now. So the sun and Mercury are hanging out in the moon's temple. And the moon is in the sign of Libra. The moon is asking for balance, for fairness, for justice, for, for equity, for peacemaking. But, Saturn, but the sun and Mercury are, are very concerned at this point with nurturing and resources, with how we are feeding and how we are getting fed, with who we are including in the conversation. And all of these things are being opposed by Jupiter and Pluto Okay, in Capricorn, where we're really, you know, this may be like trying to bring peace, but we have these really difficult conversations about who's in the in crowd and who isn't. So this may be a time where we're really needing to use our di diplomatic skills to negotiate between those two polar extremes. Okay. So ask yourself on Sunday the 28th during this first quarter phase, what is fair? How do I bring about equality, equity, justice, peace? Um, how do we judge the, the heart against the weight of the, of the feather, right? If you, if you were entering the underworld, if you were at the end of your life here, how would you judge um, your actions? How would you judge the collective's actions? Are you holding on to old um, beliefs that don't serve you? Are you holding on to anger? Are you holding on to hatred? And are you perpetuating an old system? Those would be the questions that will be bubbling to the surface with this um, last, I'm sorry, this first quarter moon as we try to bring something into existence in the, the lunar phase. With the Mars sextile with Saturn retrograde, um, we have, this one is kind of, a, this had a seed at the Mars-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius on March 31st of this year. So this is kind of a, a, a phase where we are kind of getting a, you know, before those two planets were in aversion with one another, and now they are able to witness one another, okay? So there is a, the beginnings of a conversation between Mars and Saturn. Now, at first, that conversation may be somewhat productive, whoops, with it being a sextile. But I will warn you, things are going to go south pretty quickly when Saturn retrogrades back into Capricorn um, next week. So we may see some attempts um, at bringing um, some sort of consensus between our actions and demanding change and trying to take action and how we're creating a new society like Saturn is trying to do in Aquarius. But once it retrogrades back into Capricorn, that, that's when we're really reactivating some of the power of the, the old order um, where there may be a crackdown on some things. And I, I'm just saying this to warn you because I, I really do think that we're going to start to experience 
some of the most challenging aspects that we have in a long time beginning next week. And I, I want you to prepare for those things. I want you to be prepared mentally, emotionally, maybe even physically, like with the, you know, there could be disruptions to some of the uh, resources that we assume that we will always have. Um, like when the water main broke, I went and stocked up on some some bottled water just so that if there was a problem again that we would be able to flush our toilet or have drinking water. Um, we may, my good friend Ann Ortley is predicting some disruptions in the, the food supply chain and, and the delivery of food production over the course of the summer. So she's been advising people to stock up on some non-perishables. So I'm of the opinion better safe than sorry. I don't think we should take this to uh, an extreme where you just can't live your life anymore. Like we, we don't want to get into a, a period of hoarding like we did when we first experienced some of these hardships. But being a little bit prepared and having some foreknowledge I don't think is a bad, bad thing. Do it just in a, in a balanced way, I would say. All right. Um, Mars and Saturn combined uh, can speak to disciplined action. They are both in their domiciles, so they, are, they have some equal strength, although Saturn is retrograde, which is sort of a, an accidental debility. And, but, but Saturn is in the overcoming position, so Saturn has the upper hand. So we may be seeing um, an ability for at least the next week or so to take more reasonable, disciplined action than we normally would be able to. This may be the last week that you have to do some stuff that feels productive before the shit hits the fan, okay? Before you feel like you're stuck in the mud and it's much more difficult to go anywhere. And to be 100% honest with you, I have a feeling that we, for the last few weeks here, as everything's opened up and as I've really observed in my own community how cavalier people have been, we're going to experience a second wave of the coronavirus too. And I think it is almost a foregone conclusion that we will have to, to retrace our steps and go back into quarantine at some point this summer. I, 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 you know, I feel pretty confident saying that. And um, so get what you need to get done, but be safe about it and recognize that your, your movement may be more limited as we move forward into the summer. And try not to get too frustrated. It's just, this is part of the cycle, but be prepared for that, okay? Uh, what else? When Mars and Saturn come together, sometimes Mars being action and Saturn being the quality of ignorance and fear and darkness, a lot of the times we may be taking action based on our, on our ananke and ignoya, based on our fear and our ignorance. And I think that it's very important to kind of be aware that you don't want to get consumed by your fear. Having a healthy amount of self-preservation is, is okay. But when we, if we allow ourselves to get irrational and to, to take actions that are not focused, that's when we can really get into trouble. So if you, you, what I think that could happen is with Mars in this very volatile position, we may be lashing out against a very entrenched system that um, is going to do its best to um, clamp down and restore, quote unquote, 
order. Now, I don't think that that order is going to last because we've got Pluto and Jupiter doing its thing there, trying to compost this old thing. But like I said, this is uh, the Empire Strikes Back type of vibes over the next few months here. Okay. Well, sorry to leave you on that depressing note, but this too shall pass, right? Uh, this is something that we're going to have to get through it together. I think sometimes the, we have the dark night of the soul that we go through, whether it's as a community um, or as a personally. And I think that we'll, we'll get through it. I think that if we stay asking good questions, if we take care of one another and, and try to think about what is good for the collective, while keeping an eye out for our individual rights as well, and you know, trying to balance those two things, um, that is going to get leave us in good stead. Just recognize right now that the 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 most um, the most supported actions are going to be the ones that are moving towards building a new paradigm. We're heading towards the Jupiter Saturn conjunction in the sign of Aquarius at the winter solstice. That's a very, very important moment, probably one of the most important moments that we've experienced in astrology for a very, very long time. And I, and I mean that in like hundreds of years. So the energy that's going to be supported towards the end of the year is paradigm shift energy. And there will be people that will rebel against that due to their own selfish desires. But eventually, we're going to have to find a way to live together as a society. And one of the things that um, Sam Reynolds talked about in his latest article was the new American revolution is the fight for um, the rights of, of black people and the rights of equality and, and creating a society that is more just for everyone. And this is also included with it economic equity also, not just for people of color, but for, for everyone as well. Because we've got a lot of reckoning that is happening on the, the financial and the resource level of the, of the society that we're living on. We're going to have to deal with some of those questions. And we'll get through it. We'll get through it together. We'll get through it um, as a community, I hope. And hopefully keeping the lines of communication open and trying to find compromises where we can. And then, you know, discarding some of the old things that are really proving to not you know, be functional at all. All right. Looking ahead to next week, the 29th through the 5th, on Tuesday the 30th, we'll have our, our conjunction between retrograde Jupiter and retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees of Capricorn. So another peak moment. I believe the first conjunction that we had with Jupiter and Pluto is when we really started to become aware of the severity of the coronavirus. Uh, we'll have a retrograde Mercury uh, sextiling Uranus at 9 degrees of um, of Cancer and Taurus. Then we have our Kazemi moment. We have our, our Mercury retrograde inferior conjunction going Kazemi at nine degrees of, of Cancer. So an, a whole entire new Mercury cycle. On Wednesday, the 7th, on Wednesday, July 1st, 7 1, uh, the Sun will make a sextile to Uranus and Capricorn uh, Saturn retrograde will move back into Capricorn. It'll move into that position, third, third decan of Capricorn to you know, reevaluate and, and, you know, take out the trash, basically, okay, to, to bring more contraction to those hierarchical structures. Um, on Sunday, July 5th, we're building all this week 
to the full moon lunar eclipse at 13 degrees of Capricorn and Cancer. So again, we don't have to have it all figured out in these next coming weeks ahead. I would, if I were, if it were me, I would delay um, any major decisions over the next week or so because all of the pieces are, have not been revealed yet. And once we're past this eclipse period, we're going to have a much better idea of what type of work is going to be required of us as a collective and personally. Okay. Just one little side note. Um, on July 9th through the 13th, uh, I will be at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference online. Um, I'm going to be doing a lecture on tarot, tarot and the theme of Mundi and the relationship between that and the, the decanic relationships. Um, my lecture will be on Friday, July the 10th at 10 a.m. So you can find more information on that at greatlakesastrology.com. Um, the conference is from the 9th through the 13th. I believe also that that weekend there will be um, uh, the, the Queer Astrology Conference. So I wanted to give a shout out to that as well. I had a, a nice listener reach out to me and bring me uh, to awareness of that. Um, so, you know, check that out if that is, uh, check that out as well. So if you could do both, I don't know. There's, I know that there's only so much time to go around, but uh, it's nice to, to be able to support um, these multiple movements that we have going on here. So that's what I've got for this week. If you are enjoying these videos, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, share with your friends. There are a couple of donation links. There's a PayPal me and a Venmo account if you'd like to support my work. As always, the best way that you can support my work is reaching out to schedule a reading. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that you're doing well this week. Hang in there. This too shall pass. Uh, we'll get through it together. And um, have a good summer so far, okay? <laughs> we'll get through it. Peace, everyone.